This is Cheese by Hand. I'm Michael Claypool. And I'm Sasha Davies. Michael Lee and Emily Sunderman started Twig Farm in 2004. They traded in their city life in Boston, where Michael worked for years as a buyer for Formaggio Kitchen, for a life in the country on a farm they created in Vermont. Their setup in Cornwall is the quintessential farmstead operation, including a modest barn, 24 milking goats led to pasture daily by Michael, an enthusiastic son named Carter, and quiet. Lots of quiet. Do you, uh, do you think it's important to preserve small farms? Yeah, hell yeah. I think it's important not just to preserve them, but to create them. As a matter of fact, <laughs> I'm willing to stake my reputation on it. Um, no, I mean, we're making a small small farm. If I didn't think it was important, I wouldn't be doing it. I, is that sound, that's, I guess that sounds a little bit self-important, but I think it's important to me. Um, if it wasn't important to me, I wouldn't be doing it. And I think it's important for the community to have farms that are of a scale that people can appreciate uh, the fact that it's actually being done by people, you know, that food is produced by people and, um, and that land is, uh, is cared for by people and it's kept in production by people. Because I'd always, I used to sit on the porch, we had a porch on our back of our apartment and I used to sit there, <laughs> whether I had an audience or not, and just say, when I have my farm, this is what I'm going to do, and da-da-da-da-da. And uh, then Emily said, well, if you really want to have a farm, you should start saying, when we have our farm. She's <laughs> like, oh, yeah. You know, that's... Farmstead as a word conjures uh, an image, and you picture the you know the red barn and the little you know the neat house and the cows out in the pasture or the the goats out in the pasture or whatever and the sheep and and the chickens in the yard and uh, you know ducks down by the pond and somebody's you know making cheese and putting it in wooden forms and you know they've got a cellar underneath and that's where it goes and. Anyway, for me, that's what it does, you know, or or somebody that, uh, you know, for the culture, they just take the bottom of the vat, you know, and uh, and they use that the next day, and it's, it's very rustic and maybe a little bit inconsistent, but uh, it's, a, you know, it's a very authentic product. That's not what's meant by this definition at all, anywhere, anymore, you know. You get, you know, in France, you get a fermier cheese, but, well... The milk that was made that it was made from it was from one farm. It was collected and kept separate from everybody else's milk and turned into you know cheese. You know, it's, you know that's farmhouse. How's that farmhouse? You know, and and so I guess it's a very plastic sort of uh, idea. You know, I've never really looked at what the organic practice is as far as the processing is concerned. I don't know what you can and can't do for processing of milk with organic. I just, I haven't been able to get past the the milk part, making organic milk 
I think that it's a, it's a helpful label for people that don't really understand agriculture. But um, I've got my goats out there and they like to get out first thing in the morning. The grass is still wet. The parasites will crawl up it and lay their eggs on it. So the goats will eat the grass and they'll get parasites, you know, growing inside them. And it's fine to a certain point, but they can only handle a certain load before it starts affecting their health. So we like to do a fecal exam and see once it gets to that sort of tipping point. And then we like to deworm them because we want to kind of set those, you know, the parasites back and um, just kind of give the goats a chance to recover from them. But I couldn't do that if I was organic, you know, so I'd have to change the way I manage them as far as when I put them out or or just let them suffer, <laughs> you know. Um, I, you know, I don't see how that makes better milk. Twig Farm is a raw milk cheese producer. In America, raw milk cheeses are allowed if they are aged for longer than 60 days. The idea being that any harmful bacteria within the cheese cannot survive longer than 60 days. At Twig Farm, they make aged, washed rind, and hard tome-style cheeses to meet this requirement. For Michael, raw milk is not a political choice. Rather, it represents a flavor profile, a terroir, and ties to his strong desire to make cheeses that have a sense of place. Why would I go through the effort of making beautiful milk, if this very specific milk, if I was just going to kill all that specificity? Um, there's there's a place for raw milk cheeses and there's a place for pasteurized milk cheeses and if you're going to go through the effort of making something that's so it's labor intensive it's not at a scale that makes any real sense and the reason it's at that scale is so that you can preserve a unique flavor that comes from a specific place to then turn around and wipe that out um, through pasteurization is kind of well I mean it's and in, in inherently pointless. The only label I really want on my thing is, is, is the one that says cheese, you know, and that's that's it, really. It's, it just becomes so I don't know, just kind of arbitrary. The labels that that seem to pop up and what's it, I mean, it's not arbitrary at all. But what's important to somebody, you know, what's their agenda is what they're going to try and define their product by, and I'm trying. You know, what am I trying to define my product by? Well, I want a cheese that reflects a place, you know, that comes from a specific place. And the more specific I can make it, the happier I'll be. And how do I, you know, what kind of label is going to say that? This is a specific cheese. Um, This is tied to, you know, this corner of Addison County, Vermont. And, well, no, you know, that's, I'll say where it's from. I'll say that it's cheese. And that's as far as... um, I really think I need to label it, and that's my agenda. I can make cheese that tastes like this right here. Creating their farm from scratch, Michael and Emily have had to contend with the realities of starting a small farm in America. Dealing with domestic issues like increasing land prices and feed costs while trying to remain competitive with their European counterparts. For such a small operation, their scale actually works against them. When asked by consumers why their cheeses are more expensive, they must explain that cheeses produced by their single-family operation in the U.S. cannot be measured accurately against European imports, many of which are made in factories. One is startup. You know, we had to foot the whole bill for startup. Whereas there's a, um, what is it, 200000 essentially like a $200,000 subsidy or something along those lines in France for starting up a cheese-making operation, which 
you have to stick with it for five years and you know then you know do it do whatever you will um and then the idea that they have this is free support essentially government sponsored support for all the cheese makers farmstead uh, and otherwise which would be like having the agricultural extension service know more than i do about making cheese um all of these things are sort of they're little things that make the cost of learning and doing business and understanding your product i think a little bit more but it's just expensive to make cheese, you know? I, I don't care where you are, you know? Even in Europe, the better cheese is from there, you know? Even when you're over there, people say, oh, it's so cheap, but I don't think they're really thinking about how much it costs um, because, you know, having worked on importing cheeses, they're, they're not that really that cheap, you know? They're cheaper than here, but they're also, a lot of them are from people that aren't making a lot of money. They're not trying to sustain a life where they've got to pay for their own retirement and their own health, uh, health care and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. My cheese would be cheaper if I didn't have to, you know, it would, you know, be cheaper if I didn't have to think about child care, health care and retirement. Those, those are my personal expenses that make it um, necessary for me to have in my model a cheese price that's going to turn back at a certain point enough money to cover that. So in order for it to be sustainable. I know that last year, we made about 15 cents a pound on all the cheese we sold. <laughs> um, you know, maybe that's some idea. You know, I mean, that's, that's because there's a lot of initial infrastructure and um, the lack of economies of scale. You know, it takes the same amount of work to make a batch of 25 pounds of cheese as it does a batch of 75 pounds of cheese, essentially. You know, the increase in labor is not uh, commensurate to how much more money you would get from that. I would have to say I must have had some vision for the farm. What it was, I'm not really clear on anymore because once I jumped in, I haven't really had time to think about what the real vision is anymore. It's so much about, it's it's a very tangible everyday, this is what I'm doing and this is what I need to do next. It, it no longer, I, I don't, I don't, see it in such an abstract way anymore. I would have to say if um, if anything has changed about it, it's just, you know, maybe it's no longer tinged with the same sort of, you know, aura of, that's impossibility that it seemed to, you know, that when I was in this, living in the city, you know, just the idea that I would spend my days structuring my own time and just keeping my, you know, I don't know, just doing all of, all of the work that I need to do and the way I need to do it and, and enjoying it 80% of the time just seemed, it was impossible. It was, you, you, that, you don't live that way. There's no way anybody lives that way. And, and now that's the way I live and it has its own challenges. You know, it's, it, motivation is not really the problem. It's just enough time to get everything done and to sort of think through things in a way that I'm not wasting my effort because it's just me for the most part it really is just me and when I do something stupid I feel it it's painful you know it's um that's <laughs> I you know I'd like to joke that I've got a 30-year plan here you know I'm going to do this for 30 years and you know 
then I'm going to either pass it on or hang it up, you know. Um, and that's the future of American cheese making from my perspective, you know. It's like, okay, one year down, 29 to go. Um, you know, it's... <laughs>